think we're good. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, rough start. Haven't done an episode since last week. Uh, but uh, Mr. Paul Mila with the patience, Mila Mila, with the patience of a saint. <laughs> Um, uh, I've rescheduled I'm not, this. I'm not known for that normally. I know. Well, I well, I don't know why I said I know. I didn't know that. You have had the patience of a saint. I've had uh, two two reasons why I had to reschedule. But as I tell everyone, this is my podcast. I have no boss. I only have on people I want, and I'm also very direct. So I don't. If I didn't want you on, I wouldn't play this rescheduling game. I would just. <laughs> I would just not respond. If you're like Tom, let's do a podcast. I would just. I would, yeah, so, no, so, people I want to have on, I have on, and uh, it really just has been a hectic August, this is like the second night I've spent in my apartment in August, so it's just been an insane August, but none of that matters, those are all excuses, and excuses aren't for men, they're for bitches, so, no. introduce yourself, my man. <laughs> doing? I'm doing very good. Can, for all the new listeners, please introduce yourself, because you came on, you came on sure. like 300 episodes ago. Yeah, uh, Paul Myla. Uh, I'm a um, let's see, scuba diver, underwater photographer, and um, uh, author. Um, did I say that right? Author, scuba diver, underwater photographer, and uh, that pretty much covers it. And corporate dropout. I used to be in uh, corporate corporate life for my for my real job uh, uh, up until about maybe 15, 20 years ago. Uh, we kind of worked in the early days of home banking in the financial services industry. Uh, so I helped to develop all the protocols when new people make um payments today on your computer looks real easy trust me in the early days it was not easy <laughs> we that- had we had banks the same bank okay you're, you're you're paying your student loan at your bank well it, there was there were so few electronic links even within the in, in institutions at the time that when you wanted to pay 20 bucks to your to your you know chemical bank student loan chemical bank student loan department would get a check from the payment area <laughs> somebody would walk over a check and say here deposit this in the account because there were no even internal links weren't always available to carry the information you could move the money but the trick was carrying the information yeah. with your name and your account number and your and the dollar amount so we that was what i did for a real <laughs> a real job i put the food on the table and move over the head and the kids through college that yeah i was just thinking well yeah that's another podcast for another time because you had a fascinating life before you did all of this shit which was fascinating for everybody listening we've done an episode before about swimming with sharks and and you've authored you've authored several books right if i'm correct if i'm right i've done uh, five novels um adventure novels based with scuba diving as a background uh, a non-fiction book and uh more recently three children's books mm-hmm. uh, mostly dealing with sea turtles yeah uh, and, and kind of incorporating my, I was able to incorporate my underwater photography into those books, Yeah, which was a lot of fun. So I've been busy on a lot of different fronts. Uh, as you get older, you got to keep the brain going. You know, you got to excuse to do these things. Dude, a hundred percent. And I'll put the links to all those books into the description. And yeah, I want, I wanted to say children's books, but I wasn't sure. And I, I didn't want that for, to come across as insulting, but yes, if I remember, yeah, it was children's yeah. books. Um, yeah. Or the, the latter three. But yeah, no, on that topic of, uh, because this is how the, my podcast goes, nothing ever stays on topics, we will get to Wales, is, okay. no, keeping the mind busy, man. I was, you know, I lived at home between August 2016 and April 2021. And, mm-hmm. man, I listened to, I taught myself graphic design at that time, but I listened to so many audiobooks and so many hundreds of documentaries that... Like, I, I had no idea, but I was kind of, like, laying the foundations for this podcast. Like, the ability to just pull information out of nowhere. But, mm-hmm. you know, when I first 
moved into my own apartment, like got to live on my own again at age 30. You know, most people, I experienced it at 18, but then I experienced it again at 30. Um, You know, like everything, it was, you know, it was, oh, I'm going to, I can take an hour long hot shower now. I can turn the air conditioner on whatever I want. I can, you know, and it's like, like an 18 year old, you're kind of feeling it out again. And that was fun. But I kind of also stopped really listening to audiobooks for like the first two months. I was kind of playing video games, just blah, blah, blah. And it dawned on me, I was, this was about a month ago, it dawned on me that I was like, I'm not in school and no one's going to make me learn. And I can very easily see where this slides into, oh, I, I might be sliding into a comfort zone for the next four decades of Netflix series and funny shows. And there's nothing wrong with those. It's good to, you know, you got to, you got to unwind. You got to, you know, all play and all work and no play makes you a know, jack and dull boy. But what you just said about you got to keep the mind sharp and keep engaging it. Like a month ago, I was sorry. A month ago, I realized I was like, I have to start scheduling authors every week. And every day I have a checklist, you go to the gym, make my bed pot. I have just several laundry dishes, just several things. And one of the things I added was I have to listen to at least one hour of an audiobook or documentary a day, which is a roundabout way of saying, Yes, you have to keep you have to keep challenging your mind because it will go to mush. But I'm not letting you talk, so sorry. That's okay. That's okay. I was, I was picking up on what you were just talking about there. That uh, I think you said kind of when when you realized it was to your own benefit that you wanted to do this stuff, you were actually more motivated to do it. Yes. Uh, which <laughs> gets back to my elementary school years, you know, of Catholic school. Yeah. When I had the good brothers and sisters beating this stuff into you, you know, and that that just didn't work for me. When I went to college and the professor said, okay, for your next assignment, read 50 pages, but I don't really care if you do it or not. That motivated me more yeah. than the threat of getting my head beat in if I didn't do it. Yes. So it's all, I guess, maybe it's maturity. I yeah. <laughs> I no, know. I wouldn't say I'm mature, and I, I, but it's not, I mean, as someone that went to Catholic school for 12 years, I had a nun, Sister Lorraine, fourth grade. Um, yeah, I remember, yeah, that's a different story. Not, but no, is when I got to college, is when I turned into a straight A student and got into medical school is because no, it was a bit of fear. Yeah. The professor's like, you're going to need to study organic chemistry 12 hours a week. If you don't, you'll fail. If you do well, maybe you'll be a doctor. I don't care. And you're like, Oh, Oh shit. No one's mom and dad aren't here to make you do it. And you're like, Oh, okay. And yeah, kind of. So on that note of keeping the, the mind sharp and I try to do that with different guests on this podcast, and this is a perfect example of one, is swimming with whales. So for everybody that hasn't listened to the prior podcast, uh, we talked about swimming with sharks and your experiences with those, and we kind of went down all these different rabbit holes with that. <laughs> swimming with whales, What it? let's just jump in. What is, no pun intended, what is just the general feeling of getting underwater and seeing something the size of like a semi-truck? Uh, it's kind of an oh my god moment, you know. Uh, I always used to like whales. I'm living on Long Island, you know. Uh, you, you tend to you can go on whale watching trips, and you see them from the safety of a boat, you know, a good sized boat. And you see uh, their backs, you know. You might see the head, the tail. Um, you don't really see the entire animal, um, but when you actually get in the water, and this is my first you know, experience. Uh, well, just to back up a second, how did it even start? Mm-hmm. Starts like most things, uh, kind of serendipitous with, you know, you don't plan it. 
uh, was, I was on a scuba diving trip with a scuba network, my local dive um, operator here. And uh, they were um, doing a trip down to Bonaire, which is one of the ABC islands of you know, Aruba, Bonaire, Curacao, down that way. And during one of the um, uh, our dive trips there, one of our uh, local trips of the day, uh, this young lady accompanied us. She was single by herself. She wasn't with our group, but she happened to be alone. And they had room in the boat, but she joined us. And we got to talking and uh, we're talking about, we said, let's come to dinner with us. Yeah, you know, have a dinner, be social and stuff like that. You do that when you're, you're diving and meet very interesting people. And I noticed she had a silver whale tail on a chain. So looking to make conversation, I said, oh, I see you have a whale tail, a tail on your chain. I guess you like whales. And she goes, oh, yes, I go swim with them every year in the Dominican Republic. And I, get, I said, you do what with who? You swim with whales? You can do that somewhere? I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a under control situation. The Dominican Republic has a whale sanctuary called the Silver Bank, and uh, it's about 80 miles off the shore. And a number of boats are licensed to do this, so you can go in and, and spend time with them. I said, I don't believe this. Wow. So I checked it out. A year later, I'm going, I'm going down there um, with an outfit. Actually, the, the trip was run by this woman, Joan Ocean, who I've tried to. Yeah, yeah, I've tried to get her on. Right? She was putting this trip together. So um, I said, great. So we were down there. And, um, you know, you, 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 go, you leave the Dominican Republic, you go out 80 miles, uh, it's called the crossing, um, to these area called the Silver Bank. It's called the Silver Bank because a lot of, there's a lot of coral reefs around the area and make it kind of shallow. And in the old days, you know, going back to these days of the Spanish galleons, they were taking gold and silver treasure back to the old world. And they didn't have GPS. They didn't have, um, you know, sonar and stuff. They'd hit these reefs lose their treasure all over and it became known as a silver bank. Okay. okay because of sunken treasure, which I didn't see. I think it's all been recovered by this time. Anyway, <laughs> so, so, um, we're down there and we're in a boat. We go into this area where we dive. You're going to be there for three or four days. You just, you know, put the anchor down, you hang, you know, hang out there. And, uh, the, the, um, uh, captain's giving us a briefing. Okay. Here's how we're going to do it. There's no scuba diving. It's only snorkeling and free diving, no bubbles two reasons for no diving. If the whale goes down, they don't want you to harass the whale on the whale's terms. Two, he said, blowing bubbles is a sign of aggression underwater to a whale. He goes, trust me, you don't want to piss off a 50 ton whale. So he said, okay. So that was, those are the rules. No, no scuba diving and no bubbles, just free diving and snorkeling. So run this little dinghy. You, you go out to the mothership every day and two, you know, you have 20 people tend to a little dinghy. You go out, to the, it's called a Zodiac actually, you know, mm-hmm. inflatable with a motor on it. And he's, he's, he's trying to spot the whale. Sometimes you see them, you know, breaching and things like that. He goes, oh, there's a whale below us. Looks like we have a sleeper. Everybody over the side. So we go over the side and I'm adjusting my mask, looking to where's the bottom? I don't see, where's the whale? I don't see the whale. The bottom began to move. I said, oh, that's the whale. Oh, okay. holy shit. We're about 60 feet of water. So now I'm watching this whale. And the thing you don't realize when you see whales from the surface, like most of us do normally, is you, you see, like I said, the back, the, the top, whatever. You don't see the girth, the entire whale's body. You know, so trust me, somebody says you're as big as a whale, it's not a compliment. I mean, these things are huge. I mean, they're big. They weigh, weigh about one ton per foot. So a 50-foot whale, 50 tons as a, as a rough, rough guide, okay? So now I'm, the whale begins to move. He's coming out, and I'm taking all the details. I'm trying, oh, my God, look at this, this huge thing going beneath me. I'm at the surface, he's about 10 feet down. There's only a few people below me. And he's passing right beneath me. I'm looking at his head, I'm looking at the shape of the blowhole, the fins. 
I look back, I see the, you know, the tail fluke hits the surface, down, up, down, that's when he propelled himself. I realized two more strokes, I'm going to be toast. So I put my hands over my chest so I wouldn't get broken ribs. But as the whale went under me, it held its fluke, or when it knew I was over its fluke, or its fluke was beneath me, and it just kept gliding past. And when it went past me, it resumed its up and down motion. So I'm saying to myself, this whale knew where I was in relationship to its body and took care not to hit me with its, with its fluke. I was amazed. So I watched the whale go off, and that was my first experience seeing a whale. Like, oh, my God. Get back on the boat, and I'm telling this guy, that, you know, the, the boat driver, what happened? He goes, yeah, they do that when they realize if you're there, unless you surprise them, you can have an accident. But if they know you're there, they take great pains to not hurt you, to stay away from you. So that was my first time seeing a whale underwater, and it was, uh, i got to tell you, more than a heart-stopping moment. It's, I mean, you got to imagine how it's, I was just up visiting my parents and like my like my, my dad went out and like they're in the woods and like picked some like berries mm-hmm. and he came back and it was in like the way only like my dad can is just like he's like isn't it just so insane that like this like most delicious like candy <laughs> just just grows it's just no one touched it no one designed it no one was like today we're doing this it was just like water dirt and sunlight made this right and, right and my it's like Right, it is, right? You've ever just bite into an apple or some watermelon, and you're like, this wasn't, like, made in a boardroom. You're like, this is just... And so what I said is, like, you kind of understand some of the, like, influence of, like, early religions or the Bible, where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, right, this is the gift of God. Because, I mean, it's amazing now when we have, you know, Wi-Fi and, and d- digital cameras. and But imagine if it's 10,000 years ago and you, you're eating a berry. You, I mean, truly, right, you've got to be like, this is a gift from God. You gotta imagine what it was like the first time someone saw like a whale. Like that's gotta insti- that's gotta be the basis of some mythology or like what like the Greek Titans or right. Well, uh, interesting. You know, some of the first uh, how whaling even began. Uh, I mean, they they saw them. I guess from whatever little boats they had. But the first time people got a real good look at a whale was when a whale would get washed up. Yeah, I had no idea how to catch these things, how big they were, but occasionally on some of the shorelines, a whale, a dead whale, would wash up, and that's when they begin to see just how big these things are, and then what they could use them for, you know, as far in terms of food and the blubber and everything else. And they would cut up. So before there was actually whaling out on boats, the first real whaling was shore whaling. They wait for a whale to wash up, then they realize, hey, there's more out there. Let's go catch them. And that's how whaling kind of started. But to your point about um, God, not to get overly dramatic yeah. here. Who cares? Um, one person, you know, we were talking about this, you know, in, uh, after our days, of, we, we would go out twice a day, morning and afternoon, you know, go out in the morning, see the whales, come back for lunch, go out again in the afternoon, come back for dinner. This went on for almost a week. And someone said, you know, looking into the eye of the whale is like looking into the eye of God. And I thought about it, so that's pretty cool, but uh, until it actually happened to me, because on some of our encounters, we got that close that you're looking at the way they have a way, an, an eye the size of a softball, you know, like this big, right? And unlike the eye of a shark, you know, sharks, a shark looks at you and it's basically, you know, the intelligence part, I mean, they're pretty intelligent for, for them, what they have to do, but you can tell the assessment is, are you food? Are you a threat? Or are you part of the background? That's about it. When a whale looks at you, you realize you are being assessed and um, evaluated by an extremely high intelligence of an of a creature i don't want to say an animal i'd say no, no, a being another alternative being if you will because they're, they're they're super intelligent 
uh, that has a lot of this, this intelligence and it's evaluating you. And look at this eye looking at you and it's not looking at you, you know, are you a fool, are you a threat? They're trying to figure out, okay, what you're about. Uh, I'm looking at you, you know, just trying to figure out what I'm, what I'm about. You realize I'm looking at it and you almost feel like this exchange going on intellectually that you're being evaluated by a creature that's incredibly powerful that could just wipe you out if it wanted to with one one swish of its tail or a pectoral but it doesn't you know so you and, and this and this is a creature that's been formed by eons of evolution so you've got this physically imposing creature being if you will you know with a very highly intelligent evolved brain evaluating you and you wonder what it's thinking about you know where you fit into this scheme of things you know and it's very humbling is what i can say and I guess they use the analogy of God because it is so powerful. You know, it's a yeah. potentially powerful thing. So, but it, it is a very, uh, to, to be looked at by something that's so powerful and know it's evaluating you, and then it kind of looks on, you know, goes on its way, you know. And they can blink. They have they, they have eyelids. They can change their expression. They have kind of an eyebrow. They don't have, you know, not the like but they have an eyebrow. They can look like this or look like this, you know, uh, surprised or angry or something, whatever emotion is there. So, you have all these things going on and for those moments that you're looking at this thing in the eye it is an incredibly like i said a humbling experience you can tell they weren't as impressed by me as i was by them yeah they're like <laughs> the hell is this guy right it's yeah they're all talking they're like yeah man that was cool you're like you know humans are like it's like looking at god and the whales are like who are these morons yeah, right little guys with those little tiny fins those little funny things in the face yeah. what they want yeah <laughs> but right it's it's kind of like it's kind of like, like i don't know something you just kind of disregard like like seagulls or something. It seems like seagulls are pretty like binary. It's like they're either standing on, they're either okay with you walking by them on the beach or they're not, and it's like about it. They're either flying or they're not, and it's just it almost seems, and it almost seems like a tree or something. Like not really there, just kind of reactionary. Like a rock goes up, a rock. Go, it's just like all right, whatever. But versus like like a cat. Like whenever I go visit my friends with cats, like, mm-hmm. I mean, like you can tell they're like studying you, mm-hmm. and they're like, some of them like you, some of them like tolerate you, some of them just really have some like sass, and they're like, who is this guy? Other, some are playful. You can tell some are just judging you, like looking imagine, down on you. Imagine if it's a fifty foot cat. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> what I mean, right? Is it's got to be that? It's that same sensation of like. A cat will just sit in like a corner on a windowsill and just look at you for an hour, and you're like, you're like what? But you know, it's again, it's not like a dog where a dog kind of stares and come licks you. With a cat, there is some sort of like, I don't know, it almost it almost feels more intelligent, but it's just that scaled up. And then, yeah, right, face just eye expression that can only add to the whole that can only add to the whole equation, right? Yeah, and they have a they have a culture. One of the signs of intelligence is culture. Well, there's two signs of intelligence. I say one is playfulness, which whales and dolphins do have. They enjoy playing. And then they have a culture. You know, the whales in one part of the world will do different things. They have a different language, if you will. They sing a different song. They do different things that you know in their behavior. Then another part of the whales, another the same species, humpback whale. We're, we're, we're talking about humpback whales here, by the way, but it's, it's, it's the order something we're talking about. So humpback whales. Um, so they have these different populations around the world and they, they act somewhat differently based on their culture. So the fact that they have a culture and they, they do have this playfulness that they want to jump out of the water and do things and roll around and stuff, you can tell they're having a good time for themselves, you know, um, it's a sign of intelligence and it's, um, 
you know, it's it's that intelligence is what makes it makes them feel uh, makes me feel uh, very humble to be in their presence. That they tolerate us um, and take care not not to hurt us. Yeah. So that was, yeah, it's uh yeah, and and Joan Ocean, yeah, I've I've tried to get her on here a million times with your help, and uh, I think she's busy right now. But she, you you should send this to her so she can hear this part. But she said uh, she didn't think that my audience would be too interested in her, and she explained how she thinks that dolphins are wildly intelligent and how they use some sort of like telepathy to talk and to interact. And my response was. I would love to talk about that. I think that would be the coolest thing. This isn't a very like serious podcast. Not very, it's not at all. I think that would be awesome. So Miss Joan, yeah. if you're listening to this, please come on my podcast. I would love to talk about swimming with dolphins and like dolphin telepathy. I think that would be an insane podcast, but yeah. that's another, that's another thing. Okay. When you're down there, is there any sort of like, you know, when you like play with like a pit bull or something, and it's just like a big softy, but in the back of your mind, it's like this is still a pit bull. Like you know, it could rip my throat out. Is there yeah. any? Is there any fear when you're down there of like this thing could just, just pancake me? Like yes, yes. Uh, on a couple of uh, areas. In other words, um, one obviously is the the you, know, you look at their tail flukes. When we opened the website about the tail fluke going up and down, I thought it was going to hit me. These whales, like I said, they weigh about a ton per foot. So 40 foot whale, foot whale, about 40 tons, you know, whatever. Well, when you see them breach, you know, the body goes way out of the water. It's that tail fluke that's propelling them. Okay. So you realize that should you, now some people have actually been so close that the, the whale won't realize the little boat's there that comes up and can land on them. And that's happened occasionally. I, I know I've never seen that happen myself, but I know it does happen. But to know that that tail fluke is so powerful that if, it, if you get over it and it decides to push you out of the way. And in Tonga, we experienced some of that where the whales kind of like <clears throat> lost a little patience and they tried to take, you know, they didn't want the diver around. They didn't, whatever their, 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 their comfort level they didn't have. And they would just take that fluke and flash it right, right through the water, right, right near them. So they, they were giving them a message. They're pectoral fins, so side fins, you know, are the longest appendage of any, any, uh, that any mammal has uh, next to its body. And they're about 10, 12 feet long. And one of their um, behaviors is to take that peck fin and slap it against the water. It's called peck fin slapping. Why? Scientists think it might be a form of communication. It could be some kind of like display of dominance. It could be just something playful in this, you know. So the fact that you get too, too close to those things, you know, uh, is, is a little disconcerting that you want to make sure that you don't do something that could either spook the animal, you know, or, um, you know, you don't want to reach out. We, we, the rules were of engagement where if the whale happens to brush you or whatever, fine. Don't you go out and reach out and try and touch the whale. You don't know what's going to happen and you want to respect their space. Um, so you, you know that they have these very, very powerful bodies. They can do whatever they want. Um, there was a couple of uh, photos I had here. I don't know. Did you happen to queue them up? Or can we queue them up? I got them on my email. I didn't pull them up on my on my computer. If, if I do share screen, can I pull them up? My, like if I hit share screen and so and that has a yeah. one, I want to. I think you can. I'll, I'll be honest. I still don't know how to use share screen. I've done about five hundred episodes on Zoom, and I still don't understand okay. it. Um, Let me hit it. Well, I have them on my on my email, right? Well, it's reversed, okay. but okay. Well, okay. And that that shot that you use for the cover of one of my books is a baby whale. Keep on going. Uh, okay, that's a baby whale that I took in the Dominican Republic, okay? 
Uh, that's another diver on top, not me. Uh, that little thing in the bottom corner is um, just a, a, a graphic designer put that little mask in through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, if you scroll, let's, let's scroll through that a minute. Let's just scroll through. So you, get, you might have the, the picture by itself. Um, oh, yeah, here we go. Have, okay. The raw picture. That's okay. Well, that's that's a different shot. That's another whale. Um, uh, keep on going. I tell you what. I'll, I'll talk to the whale. Let's keep on going. I'll, I'll talk to the picture if we can get the right one. To your point, what I wanted to get was, um, okay. Well, this is interesting. I guess there's a baby whale. Okay, go, go, go back to the baby whale. There's the baby whale. Okay, right. So a baby whale comes near us. Now you have in the Dominican Republic, whales are born there every year. That's why they go down there. They snowbird. The Dominican Republic whales are the ones we see up here in the summertime in the north. In the wintertime, they go down to the Dominican Republic and, you know, they snowbird down. That's where they have babies, they mate, and all kind of good stuff. So the adults have seen humans continually. We're like, oh, it's humans again. Baby whales have never seen us. We're I'm, like a toy for them. I'm going to, sorry, keep talking. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send these to my computer right now so I can pull okay. them up so everybody watching. Okay, so, the, so this baby whale um, came by us very closely. And uh, that, I got another great shot of it. And if you, look, you can see its eye. It's got like a wide eye look like it's really trying to take its soul in. Mm -hmm. And if you go to the next shot on that, if you can, I don't know if you can, if you can yeah, scroll I'm, to it. I mean, it's going to be one. All right, got them all. Now let me drop them in here. All right, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm still technologically illiterate. Um, I'm semi, so I can... <laughs> should... Come on. Everybody listening to this is pulling their hair out. Like what are these morons? Right, what, are, what are these morons doing? No, I should have I should have had this ready. I'm an idiot. Come on. And all right, I think we just got them. So, let's see. Yes, here they are. So Okay. So, if you if you have that little baby whale shot. So, I got the one I uh, will I will hold up on my <laughs> phone so you can see which one I'm looking at right now is I got this one up okay that's the baby whale okay. uh, you, you can see its eyes really like, like kind of looking at me now scroll to the next shot okay and now you have so that's the now the baby whales at the top here comes mom so mom has come over to check me out now at this point I'm thinking I'm watching this 50 foot whale coming towards me tech fins are down like this and, so, and I'm thinking Maybe this wasn't a good idea. You wouldn't get near a, a bear cub, a lion cub, with his mother around, right? You, you, you'd, you'd be dead, dead meat. So I'm wondering now, what's going to happen? Okay. Well, the whale gets as close as to you know, within ten feet of me, and begins to turn. And the next shot, if you have it on there, with its tail. No, not its tail. Um, you'll see this one. No, go back to if you go back to back one more with the, that. That's when it was leaving. Yes. Okay. So the baby whale's on top, right? Yeah. Now the mother whale turned. Okay. <laughs> and that peck fin. If she had kept it out, like you know, uh, extended, she would have whacked me with it. But what she did in that picture, as you can see it, she draws it back alongside her body. Yeah. And passed me, so she wouldn't hit me with it. Okay. And that's the time, and she looked at me. And that's a, that's my that was my first experience of looking at an adult whale eye to eye. So she you know she come came right up to me. And I'm saying, uh oh, this doesn't this doesn't look good. But then she turned, brought that fin next to her body, okay, so she wouldn't hit me, and, and then she went right past me. So she's within ten feet of me, and I could see her eye. She's looking at me, and that's why I felt a real exchange. Like was she saying like, 
how do you like my kids? Yeah. Uh, you know, or whatever. Or, or is she saying, okay, you got close enough. That's good enough. You know, don't, don't do anything more than that. But you can feel that intelligence, that exchange going on. And that was one of the times, to your point earlier, that, that I feel a little uh, scared was when she was coming towards me after I had been so close to her baby whale. It's... Now, the babies, when they're born, are about 10 feet long. And they weigh a couple thousand pounds. They get they get uh, heavy very very quickly. They they put on pounds per day, hundreds of, tens of tens of twenty pounds per day, maybe more, of a high rich uh, milk that the mothers produce to give them all that fat, you know, all that blubber. So they they get big fast. But so that was probably one of the most you know the initially initial scariest moments I had. Uh, but then it passed pretty quickly when I saw how she, accepting she was, and she just and then that next shot was her tail that you have there. Uh huh. I got it out. Going away. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so, okay, bye-bye. That was, that was pretty cool. You know, so that was, so be, you know, because of those experiences, um, and this happened day in and day out uh, with different, you know, we went out and, like I said, two different dinghies in different directions, but we come back and share our stories. Sometimes people would have not, not too much to say because the, everything was on the whale's terms. If whales decided to engage with us, people would have an amazing time. Sometimes whales would say, I'm not interested, see you by it, and they would just take off, you know, and you can't keep up with a whale, trust me. They, they don't they look like they're going very fast. They're going pretty fast. You, you can't keep up with them when they want to go. So we, we'd exchange our stories, but we all had these for the week, these amazing stories of the whales continually uh, taking care not to hurt us, not to harm us, uh, watching them interact with their babies and stuff like that. So that inspired me to write this first book, which I call Whales Angels. And that was the title of it. And I used that the, the baby picture as the, uh, the as, a, as a cover. Uh, and the angels are the people who, at that time, I think it was uh, Greenpeace, would go out there, get in front of the harpoons, and save the whales by you know making sure the whales couldn't shoot them with the harpoons. So it was like an anti-whaling novel, uh, which is one of my you know my second second book I wrote. Um, and I worked it into the story. Um, and at that time, Japan was a big whaling nation, and they were trying to subvert the whaling, International Whaling Commission's rules on, uh, on whaling, on commercial whaling. They were trying to institute a ban, and the Japanese wanted no part of a ban. So uh, that was kind of like a reason for writing the book, that, you know, trying to, you know, kill these incredibly intelligent uh, creatures who have every right to be on this planet as we do, just to, just for, to make dog food out of them and other products that we have uh, substitutes for was kind of like uh, upsetting when you saw how these whales lived. You know, so um, that, that related to that book. My math has been open, so obviously you can't see because I haven't figured out screen share yet. But yeah, no, I had them up on the full screen, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at them. And I, I guess when we were talking beforehand, you know, <laughs> I I kind of had more of like a Disney image in my mind, but like I forget the entire like anything in the ocean just kind of looks creepy, right? Because it just gets dark as it goes down, and it's you know it's not pool water, it's not like perfectly clear, right? It's very very fuzzy and foggy and skewed these i mean i'm looking at them right now i mean these things excuse my french these things are fucking dinosaurs yes like yeah. just okay. like ancient leviathans yes leviathan is how they were described yes you know? i mean uh, they just it's just i'm sorry i'm, I'm my mouth i'm not i haven't even I haven't gone swimming with them, and I never will because I'm terrified of the ocean. But I'm looking at these right now, and it's just sort of—I mean, this looks this looks like something from like a very well done, like sci-fi movie. Like it wasn't shitty CGI; it was like actual good. 
that's what this looks like. I mean, the picture of of the mama coming at you with its with its peck peck is that it peck fins Pe- Pe- petrol fins petrol fins we call them peck fins but pectoral okay. fins is what they really are. Yeah. When it's like down sweeping and looking at you, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I you know how like there is like imprinting in humans like epigenetics mm-hmm. how like. It's not. It's not as static as we think. That everything's a, a clean slate, right? I mean, like, right with like, was it like like baby like rabbits or something? Like they've taken rabbits, like put them in an artificial environment in a lab, and then like had another generation and then another generation to the point where the original rabbits aren't alive, and the only thing these new rabbits on like the ninth generation have ever seen in their reality, their birth, their entire life is just like four walls of like a laboratory. But then, if they fly over like the shape of a crow or an eagle, they'll, they'll they'll go insane and they'll go hide. And it's like they've never seen that. They don't know from experience. They didn't watch it kill someone. They see that image, that silhouette, and something in them that's been passed on just says "hit the deck." And right. you know they think that's like why. They don't they think that's why like it's sort of in all of us, right? Like monsters, scary monsters. It's it's probably it was because it was like lions in the woods, like or whatever, bears. Looking at this right now, like the image of it turning and coming at you, like I feel like I'm activating some epigenetic imprint. Cause I'm looking at it and it's like this is the last thing that someone has seen. <laughs> like yeah. this yeah. is the last Maybe it's just the shape. Maybe it's because it's similar to, like, a shark. But, like, that sort of foggy blue, it goes from, like, light to dark to, like, turquoise to, like, black. And the way it's kind of turning, and it's so big that I was just up at the lake for a week, and the mountains farther away from you, you can see the atmospheric hazing as they get kind of harder to see. I mean, this whale has, well, it's ocean. This whale has atmosphere casing. Like the yeah. front of it is more clear than the back. Right, because you know the visibility is maybe 60, 50, 60 feet. So if I'm, you know, fifteen feet in front of the whale, you you might not see the tail because the tail. That's what I mean. Seventy feet away. Yes. That's it's what coming, I mean. Right. Coming out of the blue gloom. Yeah. You know, right. You know. Versus like if it was like a fish it would kind of come out of that when it was 60 feet away, it would be fuzzy and then it gets closer. And it's like, here's the fish versus a thing where it can be facing you and the tail is still hazed. Right. Yes. I mean that. And for anybody that was hoping that this was going to be a scientific discussion, uh, tap out because it's not, but there's something like biblical about that. There's something mythological, like, you know, it's, you know, a $100 bill only means anything when the U.S. is the world's reserve currency versus like, you know, there's almost an epigenetic imprint to like, uh, or, you know, like a like a Gucci shirt. Like if you show that to someone 100 years ago, it wouldn't mean anything because it's all label recognition versus there's almost some epigenetics to like a bar of gold. You're like, oh, kings fought over this. Pharaohs fought over this. There's sort of that agreed upon, oh, this is timeless, whether it's you know, from the time Jesus walked to to the time when Bezos is going into space, you see that brick of gold and you go, oh, yeah, that's that's money and power. Yeah. You know, that's why ancient people imbued these these animals um, with, you know, mystical qualities. Yeah. For example, the, uh, the the Indians or the Native um, 
Um, I'm not sure if we're supposed to say Native Americans or whatever. Dude, but fucking up, 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 in, up in Alaska, yeah. You know, the orca was a mythological thing for them. You, 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 we, um, I was on a cruise one time to Alaska, and um, on the Inside Passage, and we stopped at these you know towns along the, uh, the coastline of southeastern Alaska, uh, southwestern Alaska, and um, uh, you know you can see all these totems that were carved by the people who were the you know, indigenous people, and orcas were a big part of their culture because the orca as a killer whale okay, was uh not as big as a humpback they're, they're maybe 20 30 feet but you know they're every bit as powerful but maybe more fearsome because they eat meat mm-hmm. you know <laughs> yeah. um, you know uh, humpback whales or a baleen whale they don't eat meat so i didn't feel too you know unsafe as far as that that aspect went you know uh but you know so the, my, my, to, to your point it's like you know when people in those days uh, encountered these incredibly powerful sea creatures, uh, they had the intelligence to know that, you know, who, who had more power. So so they became the gods. They, were, they became totem gods and things like that. And they would pray to them to help protect us. You know, the um, Hawaiians uh, think sharks are mythical, or at least they did, you know, way back when. You know, sharks were thought to be embodying the spirits of uh, people who were passed on and other uh, mystical qualities. But so it's not uncommon for ancient people to imbue um, extremely powerful um, feelings or whatever, you know, theories into these animals. But that, that's what the limit of what their understanding was, you know. Yeah, it's it's a whale is exactly what you would imagine would be like an ocean creature, and I know that's just like the most vanilla, easy statement, but like low hanging fruit observation. But right, that's exactly right. You see like a snow leopard in the mountains and you're like, yeah, yeah, I get that. Or like a snake in like the jungle. And you're like, yeah, okay. Or like, you know, a bunch of antelope or whatever or whatever. You, when you look at just the size of the ocean and the depth and the, like the mystery of it and yeah, a whale is exactly what you'd imagine, right? Mm-hmm. Just yeah. this enormous... Well, not now, because as humans have have taken over the world and our ability to to enact change on our environment is unparalleled. Mm-hmm. But really, I don't know, maybe prior to the last 200 years, I would say that they were largely sort of indifferent to us. Like there's a certain size that, you know, if you're on if you're on a Zodiac out in the ocean mm-hmm. and like a Navy destroyer goes by you, like you better avoid it. Because they don't give a shit. <laughs> they're just, they're just gonna, you're dead. It's, yeah, you look at the size of a whale and part of the majesty is almost like it looks at you and then like maybe it will move its fin so it doesn't kill you. Maybe it won't. It's just sort of like this is my kingdom. That's a good point. I mean, that's exactly kind of what they do. Once they are finished with you, once they become bored, once they've checked you out and they realize that's all there is, they move on. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you go back to some of those other other oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, I wanted to talk about something else. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, My bad. Hold do on. this again. Uh, I, I, some friends invited me out to Tonga, South Pacific. Uh, let's keep on going. Uh, yeah. I'll show the one I'm looking for. Uh, uh, your point. It's the one. It's a whale, right? Right, kind of right next to me. Uh, keep on going. Uh, yes, that one. That one. So, um, you know, I, I had when I, when I you know wanted to do something special when I hit sixty a, a while ago. Uh, so I was trying to think, what do I want to do? Well, I'm a big Jimmy Buffett fan, and I know in his autobiography, A Pirate Looks at 50, for his 50th, his family took him on a trip to the Amazon. 
So I said, okay, I'm hitting 60. I want to do something special. Yeah. And I got some friends of mine together, and um, they invited me out to the Tonga, where they had been before, to see the humpbacks out in Tonga, the South Pacific, which is near uh, uh, near New Zealand, not that way, near Fiji, New Zealand, over that way. So we went on a boat called the Naya. I got my little Naya shirt still, so it's still intact. Uh, and um, one day we're out there snorkeling with these whales and stuff. And I'm in the water looking for whales. And get that picture there that you just showed me? Yeah. So this, all of a sudden, though I felt the water get disturbed. I looked to my right, and there's this huge whale that just surfaced right next to me. Okay? And now I, I'm a little familiar, you know, because I had my previous experience years earlier in the, in the silver bank. This is Tanya, a little different, but still humpback whales, but again, different culture of whales. These whales, are, you know, they call them the dancing whales, because they tend to do weird things in the, in the water. Anyway, so I'm right next to this whale, 20 feet away, maybe 15 feet away, just at, at the, up the reach of its pectin, right? And again, to your point about it's a, it's a living, breathing thing, huge, you know, uh, you, re- you hear breathing. When you hear a whale breathe, oh, it's, just go, it's not just that, it's an explosive breath. It's a, like that. And you hear the, the force, the, its life force is being expelled from its blowhole, you know, and then it sucks all that air in. You hear it go in and it blows it out again. Um, and just as an aside, a lot of people, you see cartoon drawings, drawings of a whale with its little spout, and people think that's water. It's not really water coming out. What it is, it's air. But because the whale's body, interior body, the heat is so high, okay? Okay. It, it condenses into a mist when they, when, uh, when they uh, expel it. So the air outside is cooler than the air inside their body. So when they draw this air in, they heat it. It's almost like superheated because their bodies are so warm because of all the blubber that insulates them. So when they blow this this air out of their blowhole, it it becomes a mist all of a sudden because it's so hot compared to the cooler air. And that's what we see. It's not water coming out. It's air that turns to mist. I never knew that. It's like like NFL players in like a winter game. Yeah, exactly. (gasps) Same idea. So so, uh, I I realize I'm not next to some movie prop, okay? Like you you mentioned earlier, (laughs) it's it's not a phony thing. It's, It's real. It's living. You hear it breathing. You feel it. And again, it's looking at you. I'm like, oh boy. So now it begins to move. I say, I wonder if I can keep up with it. I wanted to get a photograph of its eye or something like that, you know. So I'm swimming along the surface, you know, kicking my fins as hard as I can. And he's he's moving. And the whale is letting me keep pace with it. It's not going so, it's letting me, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, I'm, 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 this whale is letting me swim next to it. I'm swimming next to a 60 foot humpback whale. This is totally incredible. And finally, to your point about, Yep. Once they're done with you, they're done. He gave me another look, like, okay, yeah, okay. I said, no, this is yeah. You've had enough fun. It just took one more breath, made a dive, and just kept on going into the blue room until it disappeared and left me on the surface. So I wasn't going to follow it, obviously, you know. But to your point, they had this intelligence and a certain degree of curiosity. And once his curiosity was still like, <laughs> he wasn't that impressed. Okay, see you, bye. He just he just left, and that was it. You know. So uh, that was an amazing experience. Another photo you have there is a whale coming over my head with its uh, pec fins extended. You see that one? Uh, see, yeah, there's no picture on there yet. Let's see. Uh, no, no, keep going. You'll, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. He's kind of coming over my head. Keep going, keep going, keep going. I don't think I. I, th- these are, I think these are the only ones I have. Let me check my my, my email again to make sure. Another one is I call it the flyover. Let me see. I'll see if I if I missed any. Shit. Excuse me. Um, There's one with um, he's coming like over my head with his with his fins that's that, that stretched out. 
I'm going through my email to see if Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't I didn't let me bring that one over. Oh wait, there are several I didn't bring over. Hold on. Let me grab them real quick. Paul, I need Paul, can you keep talking? So uh so there's Yeah, no... sure. So anyway, so uh so this whale um, I was, I had, uh, I had done a little dive, you know, a free dive. I, I, you know, I can go down 15, 20 feet. I can't go like 50 feet without a breath. I can go in the water a little bit. So I'm down and this whale decided to come in my direction. And I looked up and I realized this thing was going to almost go over my head. So I had the presence of mind to take the shot, uh, which was like one of the, I call it the money shot. You know, it's one of those things that's, that's coming above you, the whale. <laughs> and my only thought, I knew it was going to clear me, you know, and I could stay down a few more seconds till it passed. My only thought was, I hope it doesn't poop on me right now. That's the one. Yeah. So this wheel's going to come over. And uh, I was just hoping, please don't poop on me. Jesus. <laughs> I don't want to get covered in whale dung. So, and then it went right, right over me and kept on going. You know. What What's all over its, like, chin? That's interesting. It's, it's a barnacle beard. For some reason, this population of whales, they, they, they come from South America. The, the other ones we're talking about, the sword bank, they migrate from... Um, uh, Alaska and the Arctic down to the down to the um, Caribbean. These whales come up from South America, from South uh, from Antarctica into the South Atlantic. Okay, so they they do the reverse. Uh, when it's when it's summertime, they go down to the Antarctic. That's where they do most of their feeding, put on most of their weight. Okay, and during this when it gets cold during the winter, they come up to the uh, near the equator from the from, from the south. And that's where they will mate. They're not going to eat for several months, and they're going to have babies and things like that. So during that journey, for some reason, uh, they they pick up a bunch of barnacles. It's called like a barnacle beard. And this population of whales has they, they just collects like I don't know if it's because maybe the water stream the way it goes doesn't knock them off or just forces them to collect. But these whales have this what's called a barnacle beard of um, tiny little crustaceans attached to their skin. So um, that's what that's all about. And what's interesting that I'm sorry good it just adds to the mystique more right it just yeah. again it doesn't feel like a like a raft in a pool but rather mm-hmm. like if you see like a ship in a dry dock or something right mm-hmm. you get that different feeling of like an oil tanker and there's just kind of barnacles on the bottom or something yeah. it just adds to it you're like this thing is so mm-hmm. big and lumbering that it's like yeah Right, it's almost like if a monster had like, I don't know, snow on top of it because it was so tall. You'd be like, oh, like a mountain. Same idea. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So that so that was uh, my experience with that whale. But that that was one of my all time like uh oh moments. Like, <laughs> I hope this works out okay, you know. Um, but uh, so so this population of whales uh, goes the other way from from depending on the, on the below the equator. And what's interesting, the whales in the northern equator, because the seasons are reversed, okay, when the whales are in the from the north from the northern hemisphere are summering or wintering in the tropics, the whales in the southern hemisphere are down in Antarctica, okay. And then when the whales in the in the northern hemisphere go up to the Arctic, the ones from Antarctica go up to their equator for the for the, for the warmer weather in the winter. So those populations of north and south whales never really meet uh, because of that. They also you might whales, you might have whales coming across, you know, uh, in, in the same hemisphere, which is how some songs get um, passed on from, from population to population and things like that. Uh, but the whales from the northern hemisphere really never meet the whales from the southern hemisphere and vice versa. The other thing that's interesting about whales, humpback whales, is that when these migra- you know, they have these migrations, 
And scientists have wondered, okay, how do they do that? How do they go from, you know, uh, uh, the Arctic down past our coastlines? Uh, they reach wherever they're going to go. Some go to the Silver Bank in the Dominican Republic, others go elsewhere. And, and the ones from the Antarctic come up to the, to the they'll come to Hawaii. I'm sorry, the ones from Hawaii go, go, go from Alaska. Uh, that's the northern hemisphere. But the ones from the Antarctic, they'll go to, you know, Tonga and other places. How do they do this navigation? Well, one of the leading theories is that they've done some, um, I guess it's called a necropsy, uh, it's an, an autopsy on an animal. Um, they find, they found minute uh, uh, traces of something called magnetite. It's a tiny little ferrous metal, microscopic. Most uh, living creatures have them in their brains to some extent. Like a compass? And exactly, that's where I'm going. And this stuff is laid down in the ocean floor, okay? And during when the earth was cooling, okay? Uh, this stuff was all over the ocean floor, but as the earth cooled and the poles became more magnetic, yeah. they, 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 they have their like tracks on, in, in the ocean core, in the, in the core of the earth, that, that run north and south. They don't run east and west, they run north and south. So the prevailing thinking is that the whales can sense this from the magnetite in their brain. They must line it up somehow with the magnetite that's been buried in the earth's core that goes north-south. So they can kind of navigate by feeling the magnetism of which way they're going. They can tell if they're going east-west versus north-south. So they kind of navigate that way. So that's kind of a cool thing that I learned. I feel like I, I feel like I'm high. I feel like I just smoked a bong. It's that's but that would make sense, right? I mean think yeah. of like a rumble strip on the side of the highway. Exactly. Like yeah. that would be going east-west because you'd be going right. over all the lines and then if it was smooth it'd be like, oh we're going north south. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they, they might use other senses. They might have a, some kind of underwater navigation. They recognize maybe sea mounts and stuff like that. But the prevailing uh, feeling is that they can sense that because those the, the magnetite that has solidified, when the Earth's core solidified, the poles made that magnetite go north-south. Okay? So now that that's fixed in the ocean's core, uh, whales, and to some extent, they think either maybe sea turtles do the same thing. Maybe even birds can sense magnetism, and maybe that's how they do their navigation. So... Uh, they think that's that's one of the leading uh, theories behind how they have animals, especially whales, do their navigation. Kind of interesting stuff. It's insane. It's just melting my mind. It, you know, in much the same way that you you left the corporate world to mm -hmm. go do this, or I decided not to go to medical school and started a podcast. Like it's two people that are capable of something but chose to do something else. And I would say we're probably both more fulfilled than, than uh, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, than what we were doing previously. Yeah. You know, granted, it's different. Yours was yours was your job. Mine was what I was going to do. Do you think? And now we're getting out there. Do you think that something like a whale, it, it could be so intelligent? And you know, the your first question would be like. Well, if it's so intelligent, how come it doesn't rule the world? Maybe is there any chance? Not that you would know the answer, or anyone would know the answer. Maybe they don't want to. Maybe they look at it and they're like, "Hey, what's the end goal? What you build up a military and go get involved in foreign wars, and yeah, everyone's killing each other, and you're dropping nukes, and World War Two, and World War One, and Vietnam, and maybe the way to go is just now nah, we're just going to swim around in the tropics. It's a much better life." Maybe, maybe they dropped out of the corporate evolution. They're just like, eh. eh. Maybe they're waiting for us to become extinct, which we're doing a good job of. And then when we're gone, they'll take over. Lie and wait. 
Sun Tzu, <laughs> Art of War. Don't don't interrupt your enemy making a mistake. Maybe they're like, we'll be out of here. Don't worry. Yeah. Bide yeah. our time. Yeah, these fools will kill themselves. We'll leave the rest of the world to us. You know, hopefully we don't mess up the rest of the world. You know, by what we do. Yeah, but it almost feels like dolphins and whales. It's like maybe they're. It's like maybe they're choosing. They're like, yeah, no, we thought about the whole evolution thing, and we're just like. Well, I mean, what's the point of, you know, becoming a human? Well, if you're successful, you make a lot of money. And what do you do if you make a lot of money? You retire. What do you do if you retire? Well, you can go swim in the Caribbean with whales. And it's like, why don't we just cut out the middleman and just go swim in the Caribbean? Like, <laughs> maybe that's the ultimate intelligence is the fact that they are intelligent, yet never came up out of water. They never went and, right? It's like some... Well, actually, whales, they go back again, uh, especially humpbacks and the other whales. Uh, the thinking is they evolved from a land creature that went back into the water. Uh, they they evolved from a, a creature that kind of looked kind of like a hippo. Yeah. Uh, because in a whale's body, you know, their pec fins, those long fins that we still look at, they have um, the same, if you, if they, when, they, when they've done a dissection, they find the same structure as a human hand minus a thumb. Okay. Yeah. So that could have been, not a human hand, obviously, but an animal's, you know. Yeah grasping whatever yeah. you know yeah. and along their body uh, at about where their legs would have been if they had legs okay they find vestigial um bones hip bones where where legs used to be but have evolved you know legless gone you know in favor of a tail you know that goes into the water so um the um, most of the scientists I, I think this is not even a theory i think it's a fact I think they might even know the name of the animal that, that whales evolved from. Uh, but it was a land animal. It was an animal that eventually you know, that came out of the water, okay, evolved on land. And then many years later, when I say many, millions of years later, for some reason decided to go back into the sea and lost their legs and they became whales, you know, whatever. So, um, you know, evolution is a, it's a tricky thing. Now... Now that you've had both experiences of sharks and whales, it, what's the real defining difference? I mean, aside from the obvious, like one will try to kill you and the other might do it indirectly. I would say it's, it's high octane terror on the one hand, uh, versus when you're talking about great whites, okay, uh, versus uh, shock and awe on the other hand, you know, of oh my God, and you, you feel at one time, when I see is, you know, I mean, I've gotten used to sharks, so I'm not really, I don't panic when I see one. Now, if I saw a great white and it didn't have a cage around me, that would get me to panic a little bit maybe, you know. But with whales, it's, it's, it's more of a, there's a certain shock element of seeing this, this huge thing and you're so close to it. Um, but you become in awe of it so quickly because it's so powerful, it's so big. It's kind of benign, if you will, you know. And we're talking about, like I said, in most cases, humpback whales here, okay? Because uh, you have, you know, whales are basically categorized in two different categories, uh, the baleen whales and the toothed whales, okay, uh, are the two main classifications. Baleen whales are your blue whale, the largest animal that lives on earth, humpbacks, right whales. Um, um, uh, so, you know, you have those whales. Then you have the toothed whales, which are the sperm whales, orcas, pilot whales, whatever. Uh, and they have a little different culture, and they obviously are meat eaters and stuff like that. And there are stories of, you know, people, you know, sometimes had bad encounters with them on, on occasion, you know. But it's not, they're not known to attack people per se, but, you know, accidents do happen. Um, 
so you have those two broad classifications of whales and it's um you know um so i, I don't know if i would get in the, in the in the water with a sperm whale i mean people have and they've had I've, I've seen youtube videos of a person taking a hook out of a sperm whale's mouth and the sperm whale is very happy about it but they are basically the largest carnivore ever to roam the earth a sperm whale eats meat they eat, they eat squid they eat octopus oh, they eat the giant squid you know i didn't know um yeah you know, yeah yeah that, that's uh you know, humpback, baleen whales basically eat the smallest creatures. They eat krill and things like that, and uh, plankton and stuff. You know, they they strain it out to their baleen plates, and they you know they take hundreds of gallons of seawater, yeah, right? Yeah. Push it out with their tongue. They can't blow it out because they, their their system is not. They don't. They're, unlike us, they can't breathe in through the mouth and blow out through the nose, or by vice versa, like we can. It's a two separate systems. So when they push the water out, they use their tongue like a piston to push it out past those baleen plates. And then they swallow, you know, whatever krill and plankton they, they've strained out. And they, they have actually very small throats. For the size of their bodies, their throat is not much bigger than a grapefruit. So they could not eat anything too big. You hear, I mean, this recently was a guy who got, got taken in. He was almost swallowed by a humpback whale. It was all over YouTube about a month ago. You know, he was out in a boat or doing something, I don't know, or snorkeling. And a humpback whale came up that was actually in feeding mode looking for, you know, krill and things at the surface. He happened to be in the way. And the whale actually got him in his mouth and closed his whale mouth. And he's inside the whale's mouth, wondering what's going to happen to me. And then the whale kind of shook his head and spit him out. Couldn't he couldn't really swallow him? Uh, unfortunately, the guy didn't have a camera. It would have been a great thing to see. It was all over YouTube uh, about a month ago. Um, whereas, um, so that's you know, that's what you know, hump, that's what you know, baleen whales are all about. Toothed whales, obviously, they can you know eat uh, or you know killer whales will eat other whales, you know. Um, or um, uh, seals and things like that, you know, um, some, some, some eats this fish, they have different, when I, when I talk about different cultures, takes uh, just to digress, over oh, the killer whales, uh, they have uh, their, their one classification called transients. And these whales roam the ocean making no noise, little as possible, because they realize that their prey can hear noise, you know, like seals, they can detect sounds. So they hunt quietly. And they will eat seals. You've seen pictures of them going up on the shore to pull a seal off the shore and stuff like that. Whereas a different population of workers only eats fish, only eats salmon. And the two populations never breed. You know, they're, they're, they've almost become two species, even though they look identical to the naked eye. So that's what I was talking about earlier. These whales have evolved different cultures depending on what they eat, what they like to do and stuff. It's just amazing. So, you know, I was kind of rambling there for a minute. No, but, no, no. It was, it was wonderful. Um, I gotta go to the restroom real quick. Are you good? Do like another like fifteen twenty minutes? Yeah, sure. I'm I can hang. Yeah. All right, beautiful. Can you can you monologue for for a oh. minute? <laughs> mm -hmm. I gotta run to the restroom. Tell them where to find your book. Okay. Um, well, while we're taking a little bit of a break here, uh, the um, other book that I uh, one, one of the nonfiction book I wrote it's called Bubbles Up, uh, and in that book um, I relay a lot of these um, adventures that I've had with humpback whales. Uh, both myself and my co-author, uh, Judy Hemingway, um, Hemingway actually, um, uh, who was uh, one of the trips. And uh, so we wrote in, in Bubbles Up a lot of our whale stories or whale adventures that you can find in there about what we've been talking about. Although it's not just about whales, it involves anything to do with the ocean. Uh, it could be um, uh, swimming with sharks, it could be uh, looking at sea turtles, it could be walking on the beach with your grandchildren, it could be riding waves as a kid. So it's called, it's really called, the, the subtitle is Buoyant Adventures in Planet Ocean. Uh, that's Bubbles Up. 
Um, that's a nonfiction. Whale's Angels is the second in my series of adventure novels. Uh, there were five adventure novels uh, there, Dangerous Waters, Fireworks, Whale's Angels, uh, Near Miss, and Killer in Paradise. And those have scuba diving as a background uh, for the story. And they're on Amazon under my name. You can look me up, Paul Myla, M-I-L-A. Um, or you can put the title of the book in to a search. Uh, I'm also, my website is mylabooks.com, M-I-L-A books.com, or all these uh, uh, are on there. And if you like, uh, if you buy one from, from the website, uh, you have the option to either go to Amazon or directly to me where I can uh, send you a signed copy. Uh, if some people like to have a copy signed by the author. So we're back. We are. Thank you, sir. Um, over. <laughs> Hey, that's the only price these people have to pay. This is a free podcast. They can deal with the commercial. I don't want to hear any complaining. Um, so, swimming with whales, does that give you any grasp of, like, I'm not sure if you would think about it. Does that give you any more of, like, a like a realistic grasp of, I'm trying to see how I word this. I think I went on an Alaskan cruise, too, in 2014. Uh, okay. Yeah, we actually went and saw like whale, like I guess whatever they were, and they all breached the surface, like all at the same time. Um, oh yeah, so, yeah, that's a, a feeding. Center, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was the first time, first and only time I've ever been on a cruise ship, and like me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and like and that was awesome. It was you know it wasn't like the spring break going to the Cancun. It was just like no, it was awesome. It was I, I've recommended it to as many people as I can. I think the one we went on was like Princess Cruise Lines. It's probably the mm-hmm. only one, but like. It was yeah, amazing. I think, I think we did celebrity. Yeah, and, it was uh, amazing. You did the inside passage. You go, you know, down to all those. I mean, so stop at Juno and yeah, Saskatchewan and all those. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I know what you're talking with the totem pole. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it was awesome. And I, I loved, I love meditating. And my favorite thing is like meditate out on your own, like private little porch. And it was like the most serene, like clouds coming down the mountains, and like, I mean, literal icebergs. Just you could hear them groaning and creaking. It. Mm. absolutely majestic right and it's like 2 a.m sunlight it's it, absolutely majestic but sure. being on a cruise ship it kind of gave me like a little and i know modern ones are much larger but it gave me like just the, if anything like a slightly more realistic visualization of like oh like the terror of the titanic or the lusitania like oh imagine this whole thing going you get a much right you can watch a movie you can read about it but then when you're standing on this floating city and you go Oh, okay. you just, you know, just from little things, from the, the way the waves are crashing to go, oh, there's, right, you see and smell, just like I'm sure you could read about whales versus going there. So I say all of that to say, does it give you any better grasp of, like, the Megalodon? Uh, what the Megalodon could have been? What it, what, theoretically what it was, was for everyone listening, it was like the granddaddy of like the great white shark. It was the apex predator. It was like a great white shark, like the size of a whale. Exactly. Yes. Well, the idea of, uh, you know, what, what, what whales gave me was the, um, uh, a more of a, um, a solid understanding or feeling of what the size is, the magnitude, you know, it's one thing to imagine. If I say, imagine something, you know. 60 foot long, weighs one ton per foot, and it's, you know, huge around like a bus and stuff like this, you know. Okay, you can mentally kind of take a picture, but when you experience it, now I got it in my mind. Okay, I know what that, now I, I get a more concrete visualization. It's more than a visualization. It's a concrete understanding of the, the dimensions of the size. Okay, yeah. having seen it. So, put <laughs> very big teeth on something like that, like you're talking about, 
And if that was Megalodon, I would not, <laughs> I would not have been in the water with it anywhere near. Well, of course not. You wouldn't be in a boat oh. near it. Yeah. So yeah. So that that thinking about that, you know, um, I mean, seeing great whites was one thing, but uh, I know a pretty good size. But again, to to marry that, you know, uh, with the size of a whale, and say that could have been a shark, the ultimate o OMG. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, because it actually. Does Megalodon even exist anymore? You know, you know, some people, I mean, the prevailing theory by most people is that they're, they're, they're extinct, probably not around. However, there are certain things in the, what is called the Marianas Trench. Uh, you know, Challenger Deep, yeah. Yeah, that goes way, way down. They don't know what's really down there. And the thing that, that gave me some cause for, for wondering about this is that, you know, when they tag these uh, sharks, you know, they put these little transmitters on them and stuff like this. And, um, um, all of a sudden, one day, the transmitter stopped, you know, and it was a huge shark, right, that they put this transmitter on, okay, and they were tracking it, this, that, and everything else, and um, one day, and, and they were able to track this thing underwater, okay, uh, so it didn't have to come to the surface to, 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 hit, to hit a satellite, somehow. they had a way of, you know, with a transponder, I guess, I don't know. But this thing was in, in that area of the Challenger Deep or the, the Marianas Trench, and all of a sudden, it stopped. And the prevailing theory is, was, uh oh, you know, something could have eaten this thing. You know, what could have eaten it? What could what could have made this thing stop? This the transmitter. If the transmitter didn't come loose, didn't lose its battery power, didn't come floating anywhere. It was it, it was intact. It was doing its job, beeping, and all of a sudden, no more signal. And the only explanation they could come with is, you know, didn't, they don't think it came loose because it, it was designed to float to the surface if it came loose. Uh, that something killed and had to consume this thing to stop it. But it would keep on beeping, you know. Yeah. But this thing is now inside something else. Stomach acid. Yeah. I was going to so, say, and digested maybe, stomach acid, yeah. burned it. Yeah. And, and the thing that they, 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 they tagged was a, was a 15 or 20 foot great white. You know, sort of saying, okay, maybe there's something bigger than a 15 or 20 foot white, great white somewhere down there, you know, and that's, you know, who knows? I mean, maybe it was like a one in a trillion chance where it just, it hit something the right way and I'm with, no, but I don't like that. I'm going to go full in and, and believe it's a megalodon. I had on Charlie Duke on this podcast three times. He walked on the moon. I love moon conspiracies. Talking to Charlie Duke, a blessing in itself, has completely shattered any moon conspiracies because I'm like, oh, well, now I'm talking to the guy that was actually there and I can see the pictures of him on the right. And it destroyed it. And for well, that. There's nothing on the dark side. It, I know, right? And it's, it's so it's just, it's been a blessing because I have now got to talk to a an Apollo moonwalker several times, but it's also been a curse because now I don't get my moon conspiracies anymore. I will not let the Megalodon conspiracy be taken from me. It's what, what else would it be? Right. It's now, when was this? Uh, this is within, I would say the last five years. No, it's, it's not like 20 years ago. It happened yeah, yeah, within yeah. the last couple of years. You know, could have been two or three years, but I'm saying five to buy me some more time. I'm not really sure, but you know, it started sometime within the, when they got the scientific ability to make these things robust enough that they could use them yeah. with, with reliability. So it's within the last five years, five to six years now. Yeah, because so, it, it's got. Then you got to imagine there's got to be someone or some team searching for it. Just if nothing more, to, to be able to be able to say I discovered it, right? Just general mm -hmm. human ego, right? It's like yeah, someone wants to say I did it. Yeah. 
I mean, you know, the, you know, the possibility is might be remote, but I think there's, you know, there's a good chance that there's, there are things down there that we don't know, you know, are there. And, you, and it's, it's, you know, people don't realize the magnitude of the ocean, especially the Pacific Ocean, you know, how, how big it really is. I mean, we, you can see it on the map, say, yeah, it's pretty big, you know, but you don't really have a, gra- a grasp for the, especially when you think in three dimensions. We, we look at a map, you look at a globe, we see the Pacific you know, north, south, east, west, two dimensions. Okay, pretty big. Wow. Yeah, I guess it's pretty deep, you know, but you really don't know how deep it really is until you experience it. So that kind of three-dimensional area is huge, you know, and there's not, you know, who knows what's really all the way down there at the bottom in some of those deep trenches. Yeah. There could be big things eating other big things that we don't even know about. Yeah. You know, they just discovered, it used to be the giant squid used to be the biggest squid until they discovered, oh, there's one bigger called Colossus, named, named the Colossal Squid, you know, which is even bigger than a giant squid. So I'm going to look that up right now. Yeah. So, you know, uh, you know, who, who knows when, you know, when, 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 where, where, that, where that thing resides. Um, you know, they, they, they've seen sperm whales come up with all kinds of, you know, sperm whales act, you know, hunt these squids, you know, that's what they, part of their diet. And they come back with the uh, huge scars uh, around their, you know, their bodies from the tentacles. And they, you know, these tentacles are huge. Um, they even found one uh, sperm whale that had been that that had floated to the surface after being drowned by one of these things. You know, it never it was able to come up. It was so powerful it held the squid the whale down until it killed it, until it ran out of breath. So, yeah, you know, there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of things down here I wouldn't want to run into if I didn't if I had my choice not to. Colossal squid, Mesencotuthis hamiltoni, 39 to 46 feet, up to 2,000 pounds, and they are, they are just as aggressive as they are fast. Mm-hmm. Jesus, <laughs> it's, but wasn't even the giant squid? Wasn't even that just kind of like, a, like a rumored legend until like relatively recent? Uh, well, um. Or my my my. I, I, I think the giant squid always was because if you okay. ever see these pictures that they have of and stories of of, of old times you know steamers you know the, yeah, uh, the sailing yeah. sheets with the thing that they call the kraken yeah. I think what they call them the kraken came up you know so that's that's probably based on some kind of reality yeah and if you have divers divers have had experience with what they call the humboldt squids and these humboldt squids are about you know the, their bodies are five to eight feet of pure muscle you know. And the tentacles reach out another 20 or 30 feet, you know, and these, and these things are vicious and they're intelligent. You know, they communicate, they flash different colors when they want to d- communicate their mood. And they know what they're doing when they, when they, when they attack a diver, you know, divers have been terrified because they, you know, will rip off, they'll try and rip off their goggles, you know, their face mask, they'll try and rip out the regulator. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're quite aggressive animals, you know, so I mean, and, and they have, a, they're, they're reputed to have a high degree of intelligence. So, you know, um, that's something I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't want to tangle with either, you know, and, and, and those, and those, you can read about those experiences, you know, all over the place where, where divers have had experiences where they know that the squid tried to pull them back into the depths, for, you know, and, you know, do their thing. So, you know, and those are, we're talking about animals, maybe five or six feet long with a, with a you know, 20 or 30 foot tentacle. Imagine uh, the body could, could be you know, 50 feet long and the tentacles could be 60 feet long. You know, it's just, uh, and you have a 110 foot animal there. That's how I would measure out at, you know. Um, there, are, there are things down there that should stay down there. <laughs> I mean, that is the stuff of nightmares. Yeah. 
definitely pull yep. you back yep. down in yep. the debt. I hope the Megalodon's real. Like, I hope it existed at one point, but, like, fine, whatever. I hope there's still some somewhere deep just at the bottom of the ocean. Just some, like, 70-foot-long... I mean, would there be anything more badass than that? I don't think so. Um, And, you know, one reason people say, well, we've never seen one, so therefore it couldn't exist. Well, maybe there's no reason for it to... If it has enough food down there... Yeah. There's no reason for it to come up any higher and look for food. If there are other big things down there for it to eat, why come up? You're a fish. <laughs> you, yeah. don't, you don't need to be there. Yeah. I mean, we know there are those all those deep sea fish, right? Like mm-hmm. The 20, 30,000 foot feet, they you know, they look like aliens. Right, 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 right. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe. Why wouldn't? I mean, just like that, like that hippo-like animal could go back into the water and become a whale. Mm-hmm. Why couldn't something that's already a, a water creature... Why couldn't it kind of do the same thing but go deeper? I mean, there is, there are heat sources, right? The hydrothermal vents, the sulfur, like underwater, like sulfur vents. Like we know that there's fish and stuff. They found like crabs at like the bottom of the ocean. These weird crabs that somehow withstand the pressure. There is food. Yeah, not 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 only withstanding the pressure, but evidently what comes out of these these the crevasses where this, these hydro these hydrothermal vents are. Um, animals have learned to eat whatever nutrients come out of that stuff, you know, which is different from creatures that are much higher. They've learned to metabolize these things, the, the, the minerals and stuff like that. And they're perfectly happy down there in an environment that would kill most things. Yeah. So, you know, I think it was, it was the Jeff Goldblum and, um, um, in the dinosaur movie, there, what the heck was it called? Jurassic um, Park. Yeah. Uh, said, nature will find a way. Yeah. You know, so nature finds a way to, to live and to survive, you know, and they, they've been able to exist on things that would kill other, what we call normal forms of life. I mean, I mean, what if you're down there in the Marianas Trench in your little <laughs> bathosphere or whatever it is, or whatever, uh, who's his face? Who's the director that went down? James Cameron? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, James Cameron, yes. Yeah. I mean, what if he just, like, never told anyone? But like down there, he just saw something move, and was just like, just came back up, and it's just mums the word. Maybe you should call Steven Spielberg. Maybe I should <laughs> get him on. <laughs> get him on to a move. You know that that can be pretty thrilling. Jesus, that's. But sometimes you know, you know what scares people more than the things that they see, are the things that they can imagine but don't see. Well, that's kind of like the whole mythology of the ocean, right? It's what's out, what is on the far side of the moon. What is beyond the planets, right? It's yeah. what alien ship is lurking out there where we can't see. That's right. That's half of it is just you don't know, yep. right? Yep. Good yeah. Lord. And the fact that it could be there is what makes it fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's always like, we've mapped the moon, we've mapped Mars, but we've only mapped 5% of the ocean floor. I'm like, leave it that way. Let's keep it <laughs> <Yeah>. sexy. <laughs> don't, exactly. don't ruin it. I can yeah. still imagine that Cthulhu's down there. Cthulhu, how the hell you say it? Um Paul, let's wrap this one up. Okay. Let's definitely do another one. I'll text you after this. Okay. Um, I'd love to do one about your actual corporate career. I think that would be interesting. Uh, we could try. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I got to say, I did have an interesting career because I had many different lives. Um, I kind of reinvented myself a few times as I was a corporate economist, uh, besides being a financial analyst. And then I, I kind of spend uh, the technical world with the um, business side of the world. 
So I, you know, I was, I'm not, I was not a super tech guy, but I could understand enough of the tech to explain to the business owners of, of, a, of a product to say, okay, we have to develop this and go back and forth and get it developed. And I had some managerial, you know, um, expertise to get it done. So I worked on some interesting stuff along the way. It was at that time it was cutting edge. So we worked in computers when, you know, <laughs> nobody can spell DOS today, but it was all DOS, you know, and things like that. You know, the, 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 you know, I, I laugh when I see kids take this stuff for granted. And I said, we worked on that stuff um, to, to make things happen. You know, it's, uh, it, was, it was pretty incredible stuff. So I had, I had some fun doing that stuff. Yeah. I would love to do that. And um, I will put the links to your books in the description. And uh, I will try to, I'm going to, so I, I pulled up the, the the pictures on the screen, so they'll be there. But I'll also just add them in at the end of the video, just like okay. a couple seconds each so people can see them. Right. Um, okay. Jesus. I'm happy you did it because I can live vicariously through you because I will never do that. And I don't mean that in a, oh, not with that attitude. No, I mean, even if I ever had the funds and the ability, I would not do it. I... The, a lake is a little that's pushing it for me I'm like there are fish in here that's I'll allow yeah. this I would never do that you're a madman and I respect that but I'll never go but I will live vicariously through you okay well enjoy it you know um, I just don't want to pass you know pass away from this world not having done something I ever wanted to do and say gee I wish I had done that so yeah. I'm hacking as many adventures as I can I don't, I don't uh, like I'm not a thrill seeker I, I wouldn't jump out of a plane with a parachute you know sure. but this kind of stuff uh, really floats my boat. <laughs> Quite the fun. <laughs> you had to do that. You had to do that. You, you, you know what? You're not. You're not allowed back on here. That was it. <laughs> that was the kill shot. You're not. It's done. It's done. We'll finish at a high point. Yeah. <laughs> and well, hey, man, go ask the king. Thank you so much for coming on here. The megalodon does exist, and I will not let anyone tell me otherwise. There you go. And, um, good lord, man. That was that was awesome. Thank you for your pictures. Thank you for walking me through that. Those things, I mean, the, I'll pull them up again. I mean, these really are. I mean, these things are dinosaurs. It just yeah yeah. I mean, I mean, they're the biggest dinosaurs. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. And they're still here. They're still here. Good lord. Thank you so much, man. Let's wrap this up. I'll put the links to the books in the description, and um, I'll text you when this is up. And, uh, yeah, let's set up another one, man. Great. Thanks. It was fun as always. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. God bless. Take care. Stay safe, everybody. Peace.